You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. And W265CG Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9. And screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Who you are is more important than what you do. The only way that you're going to have any kind of success in your life, you have to buy into a process of what it takes to reach a goal. How can I be the best I can be at what I do? How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life, and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have, but without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite. You have to have toughness. What does it take to break you? I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in, you're tired, or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should? I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's going to be difficult because you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just because you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play that's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tide. Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992, winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, 35-2-1, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. Back to throw with some time. 
All right, welcome in. It is the Monday edition, Jay Barker Show, live from ABX, audio, video, excellence, Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, and we got Mick Gillespie going to be joining us from Bama Insider and On3 Media as well, and uh, look forward to uh, hearing his take on Alabama. We had a little bit of post-game uh, show the other day uh, talking about it with Clint Lamb and uh, as far as just all that happened throughout that game, and Alabama able to escape with a 20-19 to win. So a lot to get into there. Also, some big games around the SEC and around the country as well. Scott Frost uh, is out as far as Nebraska's uh, head coach. Uh, a number of injuries we saw, not only the Alabama-Texas game, uh, but throughout the college football as well. So a lot to dive into today and look forward to. We appreciate you joining us here on this Monday edition. We're presented by Top Golf of Birmingham. Get out to Top Golf today. You'll absolutely love it. At Top Golf of Birmingham is a great place to uh, go with family and friends and so many people uh, that you get a chance to uh, experience Top Golf with. So get out to Top Golf today and uh, you'll love it. Top Golf of Birmingham, driven by Sunny King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Go by and see Tony Russell and all the great folks there at Sunny King Ford. All right, let's welcome them in Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, and uh, guys, good, good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. All is good here. Lars, how you doing? Your, your guy's gone. There's no more Frost and Lincoln. No more no Frost and Lincoln, although that'll change in. In November, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Uh, yeah, not surprised by that, but we can get into that later. Um, you know, it wasn't a thing of beauty for Alabama, that's for sure. 15 penalties, uh, limited running game, mental mistakes, uh, probably the sloppiest game I've seen Alabama play uh, in the last decade. Maybe uh, in the Saban era. I mean, the yeah. penalties were extremely uh, frustrating. Y- yes, yeah. And, and, you know, Will Anderson was off. Obviously, four penalties, key penalties, and only five tackles. Um, probably cost himself a legit shot of winning the Heisman. But you know what, Jay? In the end, Bryce Young got it done. When it mattered most, Bryce Young, he looked like a Heisman Trophy quarterback, finally, you know, late in the game, uh, leading the offense on a, a 75-yard scoring drive in the fourth quarter that put Alabama ahead by a point. And then uh, with just over a minute, uh, got the offense 61 yards down the field to set up the game winner by Will Reichard, who also stepped up big time and, and showed that the, the moment was not overwhelming for him. Um, but, it, you know, if you go back and you examine teams that have gone on to win the national championship, and I'm not saying that Alabama's going to win the national championship, but they have a near miss like this. It happens every single year. And you know, Jay, that Alabama is going to learn so much. And they learned a lot about themselves on Saturday. And not, not just where they need to uh, do work, but again, also that they, they have a quarterback where you're never out of it. You're never out of it, uh, even though, uh, and we talked about this, Jay, that the receivers weren't really getting great separation for the majority of the game. But, uh, again, I, I think this goes down as something we'll remember uh, back. Uh, we'll remember this game in, uh, in, in when the college football playoffs roll around. Yeah, I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to Steve Sarkeesian and his coaching staff. I mean, they came out with a great plan. That that script he had the first drive was just unbelievable. He had every answer for Alabama and also showing us the things that they hadn't seen 
Um, it had a really great script there as far as, uh, I think, really instilling a lot of confidence in his young quarterback as well as just the team in general. If you, if you look at the game during the first three quarters, Bryce really st- struggled under pressure. He was one of eight for seven yards when pressured. In the fourth quarter, he completed three or four passes under pressure and um, you know then had the success as the game went on. And I agree with you. I mean, as the game got later and later, I kept thinking, okay, Bryce is going to step up. He'll, he'll, he'll bring us through, and he did. I mean, uh, the, the duck under missing that uh, tackle, I mean, that, that right there is going to really pretty much kind of seal the game. Uh, for Texas, he makes a twenty what twenty something uh, yard run. He gets out of bounds, gets it set up in, in uh, a place where Will Reichard can get the kick and and make it. And uh, Alabama able to win it after the game, though I know you guys probably saw it as well. Some of the players throwing down uh, the hor- uh, the horns down, and Coach Saban yelling at them, saying, "Don't do that." You know what? And um, he uh, then at, right at, right after that went up and shook Sark's hand and. And then I saw him question, uh, you know, how's your quarterback? And uh, start began to tell him that uh, they didn't think it was going to be anything too extensive, but he'll be out for about four to six weeks with a clavicle uh, sprain. So that's something that, uh, God, so reminiscent, Matt, of 2009 when he went out. You, Yeah, you hit, you hit it on the head there um, that uh, losing losing yours is very similar to losing Colt McCoy. But, mm-hmm. Jay, I'll tell you, the, the limited time that Quinn Ewers was in there, that dude's a player. That guy that guy can play. And I, I think Texas has their, has a has a special one in, in Quinn Ewers, uh, uh, no doubt. And, um, you know, and then the, the backup card comes in, and he doesn't really uh, miss a beat. He, he, he has some starting experience, and... Um, and and was you know more he was it was a capable backup for sure, um, and yeah. But you you look yeah. Bryce Young did not have his greatest game. The, the stats aren't terrible. They're not eye popping. Twenty seven to thirty nine for two thirteen and a touchdown pass, thirty eight rushing yards. But it the, the 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 signature play of that game was him uh, on that on Crimson Tide's final drive, uh, slipping out of a sack. Right, and, and you're right, Jay. If he goes down there, that this game probably has a different outcome. But he slips, uh, slips out of that sack, and and Juke's guy and uh, runs up uh, the right side of the field, gets out of bounds, twenty yards, and that time that play at same time off the clock and turned a negative play into a positive one, and it sets up Will Reichert hits the uh, winning field goal. Something my man from Cincinnati, Evan McPherson, couldn't do for the Bengals uh, yesterday. But Will Reichard, again, clutch kicker, Matt, clutch. Absolutely, and he had to do it twice. A little later in the show, I want to go into that icing stuff. I'm about tired of it. There needs to be timing on that. If you're going to call timeout, they don't need to go ahead and snap. I mean, it needs to be done before that. I won't go into that, but I will go on another specific. What did you all think, Jay? What did you think about going forward on fourth and then not making it? I think, to me, real quick, that kind of exemplified Alabama's troubles. They were up front. Yeah. It was the offensive line. And they couldn't get two inches. I mean, that has got to frustrate it. And Saban mentioned that in his postgame comments, Jay. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's one of those plays where, you know, you're kind of like, okay, I, I, I get going to shotgun because you've been in it all day. And then maybe that's where you're most comfortable in that moment, sitting on underneath center or, you know, even putting in an, an H-back or a tight end or somebody to be a lead blocker on that play. He kind of, I mean, the, the push is what got him uh, from the defensive line. Texas did a great job on that particular play on that uh, left side of the uh, offensive line. 
and pushed him back. He wasn't able to make his cut. He pressed the hole, and then when he tried to make the cut is when he got tripped up and almost got the first down uh, with a jump, uh, trying to get there to to, uh, to to get the first down for the Crimson Tide. I thought Gary Patterson, uh, Lars, had a great defensive scheme come into this game that he'd worked on for about the last three or four months, uh, specifically on Alabama. So, you know, a lot of things, and nothing to blame. Look, you got to give, again, Texas got to get all the credit uh, for playing the game the way they did. We talked about this saying, look, if it's a if it's a win, it's a huge thing for them. But even if they keep it close and and play it at, at the level they did on Saturday, that's going to do wonders for Sarkeesian and his program and what he's trying to build over there. And they'll build off of this big time. A lot of uh, I think the the fans, the, uh, the even the players, the coaches, they they got to feel really good about what they saw on Saturday from this Texas team. Alabama was out of sorts. The penalties, fifteen. What uh, I guess back to two thousand. Seven, uh, you go back that far as far as the number of uh, penalties, even close to that. Um, that's just not Alabama football, as Coach Saban brought up uh, at, in the postgame conference. Yeah, and um, like I said, uh, it was really sort of shocking to me to see just Will Anderson so uh, off of his game. Um, you know, those uh, four penalties and, and, and the five tackles. Um, and it, I, I don't know if it was the early start or what. Uh, you know, they did mention on the broadcast that Nick Saban did not alter his practice routine this week. Um, but, uh, man, Alabama just uh, did not come out looking sharp whatsoever. But, you know, it looked like but, they didn't have any air conditioning. But, yeah. Uh, but, but again, all these things going against Alabama, playing as bad as they possibly can play. They still beat the University of Texas on the road. Bryce yeah, exactly. Bryce exactly. We got we got Coach Saban is up now. The presser we got it up now. So let's go right to okay. that to hear kind of the final. Moment. Hi, Coach. So I know some coaches out there like to see you know a little bit of easier competition as you get your guys comfortable and understand the team a little bit better. But what can you say is the benefit of dealing with the adversity that you guys dealt with playing Texas in the second week and then overcoming it? Well, I think there's a tremendous benefit, you know, for players. First of all, playing on the road uh, in what is a typical SEC environment when you play on the road, uh, playing a team that is the caliber of most of the teams that will play in the SEC. Um, so I think there's a huge benefit, you know, in that. And the fact that there's a lot of lessons that I've already talked about that we can learn, you know, from this experience in terms of staying focused on what's in front of you right, when you play on the road and how difficult it is to play well on the road and being able to overcome those circumstances and still execute uh, and play smart in a more positive way for every play in the game for 60 minutes in a game, which, you know, we, we were kind of a little bit up and down, back and forth with that, made, you know, more mental errors than what we'll be able to get away with in the future. I wanted to ask you about Terry on Arnold and just, you know, having him come off the bench and really just played a pretty good game in the secondary, especially against Xavier Worthy. Right. Well, you know, we got a lot of confidence in Terry on, uh, but again, we have a lot of competition at that position and guys need to go out there each and every day and, and play well in practice. Um, I get, I get a little bit frustrated sometimes you know, when guys don't do things the way they need to do them in practice and they're not creating the right habits because especially in the secondary, there there is nobody behind you. You know, if the linebacker misses a tackle, the safety makes the tackle. If the safety misses the tackle, nobody misses, no, there's nobody there. 
if the corner misses the tackle, there's nobody left. So um, the, these things are critical to us having success uh, defensively. We gave up too many explosive plays in this game. We had too many mental errors. Doesn't have anything to do with Terry on Arnold, but I'm just saying that as a whole, you know, we got to get better at that at part of what we do. You have two new starters on the left side of the offensive line. I just wanted to know what you've seen from them through the first two weeks. Two new starters on the left side of the line. Um, yeah, Davion Cohen started last year. If I. But he's he's played half the game, you know. Um, so, look, I think the offensive line as a whole um, has to play a little bit more physical. We got to get better movement. We got to have better diversity in the running game. Um, we got to be able to execute more consistently. Fundamental techniques. I have total confidence and ability on every guy that plays up there. Um, I just think that. We just need to get a little bit more consistent and a little more physical in how we play um, so that we can control the line of scrimmage better, which I don't think we control the line of scrimmage as well as we need to in this game. Coach, just want to ask you about mental toughness. Is that something that players just have, or how difficult is it to coach up mental toughness? Um, I think you get mental toughness because things are hard. You know, and you got to embrace hard. I think that's true in your life. I think it's true in football. You know, tough times make hard people. Easy times make soft people. It's no different in football. You know, if it's hard, you got to embrace hard. Uh, I, I have no problem with our players and how they embraced hard in this game. They showed tremendous mental toughness and resiliency to play through, you know, what they had to play through to uh, win the game. We didn't execute like we wanted to, but can't fault the mental toughness. It was tough circumstances, tough crowd, very hot. Um, you know, we got guys getting cramps and not able to finish the game in some cases. So, um, you know, I, I don't question the mental toughness. Now, you ask me, can you develop that? I think you develop it because people are in difficult circumstances and they learn how to overcome I don't think you can develop it if you don't have di di difficult circumstances because you got to learn how to overcome things that are hard. You saw Brush have a really good game on the ground as well as in the passing game. We saw Jameer get step as a receiver. So what do you see from the offensive versatility of this team, especially at Texas? Well, I, I, look, we, we've got enough good players. I think Good players have to make good choices and decisions about how they do their job, the discipline that they play with. And everybody can't have one my bad. Everybody can't have one loaf. You know, we run an RPO and the, and the receiver runs the route half speed. Quarterback is stuck. He didn't know what to do. All right. So all these things are correctable, but all these things need to be fixed and we need to do these things on a more consistent basis and the players have to respect those facts in terms of respecting what it takes to win. And if they're willing to do that, we'll get better and they'll get better and they'll create more value for themselves and we'll have a better team. But I do think we need to do that. All right. Thank you. 
All right, that was Coach Saban in his weekly press conference, uh, giving his overview of the Crimson Tide. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back and uh, continue discussing Alabama's win over Texas, even though it was ugly. A win is a win, baby. So uh, we'll talk more about it. Plus, some of the SEC matchups. Appalachian State taking down Texas A&M, seventeen to fourteen. Kentucky got a huge win over Florida as well, twenty-six to sixteen, and uh, also Arkansas over South Carolina, forty-four thirty. A lot to dive into from some of the SEC matchups as well. Stay with us. We're live from ABX here on the Monday edition. Jay Barker Show with Matt Coulter, Lars Anderson, Mick Gillespie joins us at the bottom of the hour, twelve thirty to one, and then Jeff Spiegel will be with us at one fifteen today in hour number two. We'll be back. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. A national championship team covering a... Really, really terrible. Was that a glockenspiel, Jerry? Quote with Progressive and see if you could save with America's number one motorcycle insurer. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Uh, no, no, Jerry. It's over. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A fresh north breeze this afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 83. The weather tonight will feel like fall, clear with a low at 57. Then a beautiful day tomorrow, sunny and less humid, the high at 85 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. And uh, Alabama staying alive on Saturday and uh, Bryce Young's run, get him in field goal position and uh, showing the Heisman moment there as he's trying to repeat for the first time in a long, long time uh, for the Heisman. Uh, when you talk about the SEC, let's go through a quick uh, look at some of those guys that will get to break. We got Mick coming up uh, right at uh, around 1230, a little bit after. But um, Ole Miss over Central Arkansas, another game 59 to three, Tennessee over Pittsburgh. 34 to 27, thought an impressive day for them. And uh, kind of what they were, uh, Hooker ended up what with 325 yards, two touchdowns on 27 of 42 passing in that up-tempo offense. Vandy went down for the first time this year. They were 2-0. and They had uh, the, the uh, SEC network there uh, on campus and uh, celebrating their 2-0 start. But 45-25, to to they lose by 20 to number 23, Wake Forest. Missouri was taken down by Kansas State, 40-12. to Auburn beat San Jose State 24 to 16. Very surprised how close that game was. Also, LSU over Southern 65 to 17. Mississippi State 39 to 17 over Arizona. Guys, any thoughts real quick around the SEC? Yeah, Kentucky, very impressive uh, beating Florida 26 16. And also, Matt, South Carolina, Arkansas. Arkansas mm -hmm. prevails 44 to 30 over an up and coming South Carolina team. And I, I just, I just, Think the world of your coach Pittman. He is just doing My such coach. a great Thank job. You. Thank you. I, I well, you are a resident. You know You're a resident Razorback. I make no bones about that, and uh, he continues to impress. Um, two quick notes: Does anybody realize that Will Rogers is putting up unbelievable numbers in Mississippi State? Went to Arizona and won in their two and zero. It just seems like that's totally off the radar, even in the SEC. My other observation is about LSU. Do you realize that LSU and Southern? are in the same city, this is their first ever meeting. Wow. And LSU won it by a score of 65 to 17. But even more impressive was the fact that a wayward LSU appeared to be a student fan 
wandered onto the field. Have y'all seen this video? It's amazing. He wanders onto the field. He is actually out of the end zone on the playing field when they snap and run a play. And then the <laughs> security guys walk over to him and they kind of go, hey, man, let's get out of here. And for some reason, as calm and collected as he was, he got confrontational and then they ended up having to put him on the ground and cuff him. <laughs> How did, Lars, I'll go to you and then ask Jay. Has any, have you ever seen anything like that? No. Alcohol. But maybe because, yeah, uh, yeah alcohol. <laughs> and and Baton Rouge? Pro probably, probably some other things as well. Corn dogs? But, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the fact that he is just sort of walking out there in a daze, like maybe you want to stay away from him because that is not the. <laughs> I mean, I who knows, who knows what's like strapped to him <laughs> she, or whatever. Him with a tranquilizer yeah, gun and then drag yeah, him off. Yeah, no, it, it, it's kind of. I mean, those situations can be scary. Yeah. But, uh, but Jay, what, what was your reaction? Uh, any of these games that you just uh, you you just went over uh, strike you? Well, the biggest one, Appalachia State over Texas A and M. I mean, Texas had a long day. The state of Texas did with uh, their loss to Alabama, and then A and M losing the way they did to Appalachia State. Appalachia State. The, the students went wild back on the campus. I mean, they were they stormed the streets. They went to the duck pond and swam in it. <laughs> they were firing off fireworks. They, I mean, they were just partying like they had won uh, the, the, the their first national title. But uh, they they should. I mean, that was a huge win for them over the number six team in the country. I think they've dropped down to what twenty four now. Texas A and M has so Jimbo Fisher's got a lot of questions to answer uh, for this loss. And then Appalachia State after the game, plane wasn't working. They had uh, some mechanical failures. Had to go back to the hotel. They took like a nap, I guess. Uh, and uh, they said they were on the, I guess, the tarmac for about two or three hours. Go back to the hotel they stayed in the night before. It was booked up. Uh, so they had to actually sleep in the floors of conference rooms and all types of hallways and stuff that they gave them, provided mm -hmm. them, and uh, took a little nap. And then I think left out around 430 on Saturday. Didn't get back to 1120, something like that, because the bus ride from the airport back to campus, about two to two and a half hour bus ride. So uh, even after that, they said uh, their spirits were still high because of the big win over a and but they didn't get a chance to get back and celebrate with all their students on campus, and uh, maybe, maybe that was a good thing for the coach. They didn't make it back. By then, they were all passed out on the street all over <laughs> yeah. Boone. Exactly. What is this? Right, let's let's, get, let's this take a break. Anything? We got uh, okay, Mick go coming up. Uh, we got okay. Gillespie coming up, so let's get to him from Bam Insider on 3 Media as we uh, take a break. We'll come back with him. Jess Spiegel joins us at one fifteen in hour number two as well. A lot more to break down from the Crimson Tides win over Texas this past weekend. Mick Gillespie coming up. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHealth.com. Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audiovisual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. 
Gary Burley here for Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. As a 10-year National Football League veteran, you can imagine my surprise being diagnosed with cancer and starting chemotherapy treatment back in 2014. I suffered from a lot of pain and offered up prayer during those days as I made it into remission. But I developed neuropathy. Anyone that suffers from this condition knows the pain is excruciating, nerve numbness and tingling along the tissue that won't heal. I tried everything for relief, folks, until my wife suggested I call Dr. Williford of Williford Chiropractic and wellness. I called at 205-909-7373 and scheduled an appointment. After three treatments, I began experiencing relief that I haven't had in years. If you're suffering from neuropathy, I suggest you reach out to Dr. Williford and his great staff at WillifordChiropracticAndWellness.com. Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. Give them a call at 205-909-7373. Balance your brain. Balance your life. Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Hi, it's Jay Barker for Siebel's in downtown Homewood, and now's the time to get your special place ready. Come in and let Siebel's design your porch with Kingsley Bait Outdoor Furniture and one of their custom swinging beds. For the great room, you're going to need their Carson Swivel Recliner. Siebel's is the number one Carson Recliner dealer in the country, and Sarah and I, we've got one, and we absolutely love it. Be sure also to check out their famous custom-made beds and bunk beds built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to Siebel'sCottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel'sCottage.com. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There he is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's GoFan.C letter O. be joining us from Bama Insider and On3 Media. We've been breaking down Alabama's win over Texas 20 to 19, expected to win uh at right, you know, outright I think what minus 1600 for that as far as the betting odds and uh also a 20 uh, and a half point favorite uh at the end of uh or right, right at the beginning of that game. So Mick Gillespie joining us now. Mick, uh let's just start. First of all, welcome in. Hope you're doing well. Yeah, man, roll tide, everybody. I don't feel like uh, Alabama lost, but, you know, just listening to uh, everyone today, it, it feels like we're kind of mourning. But you know what? It's This is what college football is all about. I mean, 
Jay, you and I talked about a Saturday night. It could have been a lot worse. Alabama might have lost the game, but they didn't. And so I think there were a lot of positives in the way that things turned out. Mick, uh, were you surprised just at the uh, atmosphere there in Austin and just uh, how how loud the place seemed to be um, and uh, the advantage that it gave Texas with uh, Will Anderson jumping offside seemingly every other play there in the first half? <laughs> Lining you know, up all sides. Oh, I know, I know. Look, I've been doing this. Uh, this it's called Players Club. It's like a gambling show with uh, Lance Taylor, my buddy, and Jim Dunaway. And I, I took Texas all day, man. Like, I got to tell you, I, I was not surprised at all. And I mean, I, it, this is a tough place to play. And I kept saying it all week. And Jay, you know this. I thought the time really affected Alabama. I wasn't even thinking about the fact that it was 120 degrees on the field. I was just thinking, I'm such a routine type of person. I try to get up at the same time every day. I try to jog at the same time every day. I try to eat at the same time every day. That going in and playing in a hostile environment like that and doing it early would definitely, I think it would definitely affect my performance, even broadcasting, you know. So I, I, I was worried about that. Um, give Texas fans a lot of credit. They were ready to go, but guess what? You look at the schedule that Alabama has this year, and I think that it's gonna, it'll be like that every time they show up, they get off the bus, they go and play. There's no easy games on this schedule, road games-wise, and uh, Texas is it's one of the best environments in college football, I and mean, I think that's why everyone was excited about seeing it, and that's why game day was there. And uh, that's why Alabama struggled with the crowd, too. Uh, Alabama did not struggle in the locker room because they brought their own air conditioning units. I don't know if we're making a big deal out of this, a big deal out of nothing or not, but that doesn't seem very hospitable, and I wonder if going into the SEC, Texas will change that. Yeah, look, it, there's a couple of things that Texas uh, is Bush League about, Matt, and I'm going to tell you right now, that's Bush League. Uh, they're making a ton of money there. They can, they can you know, put air conditioning in their locker rooms, and they can also find room for the band you know um the 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 fact that alabama's band wasn't there bothers me i just think that it's just it's bush league you know and like and and the you treat the, the the opposing teams with respect and courtesy uh at least we do in alabama you know and that's something i've always been proud of as a an alumni and as someone that has spent their life around the university uh when when i see people that don't act that way uh, I'm one of the first to say, hey, that's not who we are. And we have a lot of people that love the university who didn't go to school there. And and you try to, like, teach them that it's more than just winning football games. It's acting like you've been there before. And, uh, and, and for Texas not to have room for our band, not to have, you know, air conditioned, uh, very Bush League. And, I'm, and I know that the band situation will be rectified when they come into the SEC uh, hopefully that'll be something else that when they go from a, a second-rate conference to the best conference, they'll figure that out as well. Yeah, and I tell you, Coach Saban was not happy there at the end of the game when the guys were throwing the horns down. He you saw him shout at them and tell them to stop that S, you know, and uh, then shook uh, Sarkeesian's hand. We are talking about it earlier. Uh, the other thing, too, I thought was interesting, um, Alabama, I mean, that is one thing that Nick Saban does. He prepares for everything, and they did. They brought their own air condition just in case. Um, they they look like space outfits, big backpacks. The guys are spraying the, the whether it was water or air, or whatever, down the guys' backs. 
I was like, I mean, we, we, the Alabama's coming up with everything to try to fight off the seat. Yeah, look, it, and and it was uh, it was a great. I, I, I think it was a great win, and I know it wasn't a great performance. The offensive line looked like they did against uh, Georgia in the fourth quarter and against Auburn last year on the road. I, I I'm really concerned about the wide receiver position still. You know, I'm waiting for someone to kind of be that guy, but you know who knows but with with that said just like at Auburn they made the plays when they had to and they won the football game and I'm hoping that they pick up some momentum I mean that's about as tough of an environment you may play one that's that tough but that's about as tough as it gets in sports so you know just with everything included the field conditions the time uh the opponent the crowd all of that stuff so um they're not always going to be blowouts the 2020 team won a lot of road games, but no one was in the stadium because of COVID. You know, it's a different it's a different atmosphere when all those people show up and they're screaming at you and you can't hear. That's a great point. Thing. Great point. 105,000 yeah. Lars is what they had at the game and uh, largest crowd ever in Texas. Yeah, and um, yeah, it, it, that was a cool environment. I thought. Uh, Mick, is it concerning to you the lack of separation the wide receivers got throughout the majority of the game? It just seemed like uh, those Texas DBs were all over Alabama's wide receivers. I was watching those plays on uh, on my television, and they would like show you like the wide shot, what Bryce Young was looking at, and I mean, no one was open. You know, it was like. They, they were they were absolutely blanking it, and the play that they couldn't really defend well was uh, was Gibbs out of the backfield. Then you go back and watch the film, and Gibbs missed a lot of blocks. You know, so he's got to figure out that part of the game as well, which I think he will, right? Uh, but there was one where a guy runs right up the middle, and he's off to the side instead of picking up the guy coming straight ahead. You know, the, it's going to take time to figure that out, you know, and, and that, that's something that with Brian Robinson last year, I mean, you just didn't see that a lot. He was so good at the, you know, he didn't have the explosive running ability, uh, but he didn't fumble and he blocked and he was a leader, you know, so we're, we're still trying to figure some of that out, but going back to the wide receivers, I mean, there were, there were some plays where no one was open for sure. And when, when, you know, in years past, we just haven't had that, you know, because there's been, we we had a team with four first round picks running around, you know. It's, so you know now it's 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 young guys and some guys that transferred in. Uh, Burton's got to catch the ball when they throw it to him. Um, you know, uh, Prentice has to know the difference between zone and man to man, and 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 you know and help Bryce out by by sitting in the zone and catching the passes when they're there. Um, so there's a lot to work on, but I'll tell you what. It'll be a lot easier for Nick Saban to have everyone's attention after the way that things turned out on Saturday. First off, you had a struggle win, but it was in a tough environment. Yeah, and then secondly, you know what? I mean, you won the game, so you're you're still positive. You found a way to get it done, but you got a lot of work to do. I'm blaming it all on Utah State for giving us all false hope. Uh, I do seriously uh, think that they threw the um, game. Alabama's offensive line. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Tony Curry. All right. The offensive line is obviously still a huge problem. Correct, Nick? I, I, I felt like the offensive line needed to be a lot better. 
Uh, yeah, and, and they'll, they'll continue to do that. I mean, I think Coach Saban said, look, more physical, more consistent. So what he's looking for with that offensive line. All right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back more with Mick Gillespie from Bam Insider on 3 Media as we continue to break down Alabama, Texas this past weekend. Coming up, UM Monroe. we got Vandy as well at home, both those games at Arkansas. Then Texas A&M travels to Tuscaloosa after their tough loss this past weekend to Appalachian State as well, and then at Tennessee. So over the next uh, five games, a pretty uh, tough schedule there on the road for the Crimson Tide. We'll break it down with Mick coming up next. Stay with us. 205-686-1941. That's 205-686-1941. 205-686-1941. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A fresh north breeze this afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 83. The weather tonight will feel like fall, clear with a low at 57. Then a beautiful day tomorrow, sunny and less humid, the high at 85 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 77 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Again, Big Gillespie joining us from Bam Insider on 3 Media, breaking down Alabama and Texas. And one of the storylines that was throughout the game, the commentators continue to talk about it. We just talked about it earlier. And uh, Mickey, you and I talked about it after the game as well on the postgame show. Gary Patterson uh, was a big storyline in that you know, he'd come in as an uh, assistant to the head coach, analyst, and uh, able to break down Alabama's offense, look at different schemes and things they could do to really affect uh, Bryce Young. And they did or in the first three quarters, one of eight on third down pressures, uh, three or four in the third quarter, which were um, the ones that made the difference uh, for Bryce Young there. But the pressure, uh, it, when it's coming at your face like that, he kept a lot of it right in his face, uh, kept him in the pocket. That was something Sark had talked about early in the week. But with this new analyst stuff that's been going on for a while now, uh, yeah, I mean, you can really get a lot of uh, help. And, uh, and and a guy like Gary Patterson, who now his name has been thrown the hat at, at Nebraska uh, for, or at least a lot of people are saying he might be, a guy that could be a candidate for that Nebraska job. After the game, he said, I just wanted to thank everyone for keeping track of me. This is on Twitter and reaching out. That said, uh, that said the credit should go to Coach Sark and the whole uh, staff. Great preparation, and the kids played their tails off. Now on to UTSA. We, not me, hook them. Uh, your, your take on Gary Patterson, just the, the analyst and how they can really be effective and uh, a great source of information. Yeah, look, Alabama's been uh, using analysts for a long time. They've been ahead of the curve when it comes to this. And part of it's having the resources to pay, you know, to have your own, like, scouting department. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, uh, Gary Patterson did some great, you know, some great work. And I, every time I, I, I think of Gary Patterson, I always think of Dennis Franchoni. I mean, we launched his career when uh, Alabama hired Franchoni as head coach uh, way back in the day. And then the guy stayed forever. You know, he's the defensive coordinator and then the head coach. Um and uh, and look, I'm uh, Lars. I'm not shocked at all that Scott Frost got fired, uh, but I am shocked that they lost to Georgia Southern. Uh, not not to digress here, but th- those coaching the the big schools have such an advantage with the resources that they have, but because you can go out and get guys like Gary Patterson to help you make a game plan, and you know, just being around professional sports as long as I have, don't underestimate how important those kind of guys are. You know, in baseball, you have special assistants to the GM. You're using all their connections. Um, you're using all of their years of experience to help you, you know, whether it's analyze players or look at game, you know, game plans and all that stuff. So 
Uh, Gary Patterson's getting a lot of credit for this. Uh, Jay, you and I talked about this on some of our shows. You know, Sark said they've been putting the game plan together for this all offseason. Obviously, they were super prepared. So I think all that stuff matters. Mick, uh, Alabama had a uh, whopping 15 penalties, most ever under Saban at Alabama, and the most for Alabama since 2002. Do you chalk that up to the noise level of the 105,000? Do you chalk it up to the fact that it was hot as Hades? Uh, what 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 is it? And, and is it anything that Alabama fans should be concerned about moving forward? Yeah, I don't know. I thought about this. Uh, I was like, I wasn't really comfortable with Big Twelve officials officiating the game, you know, right off the bat. And I thought some of those calls were a little questionable, you know. Um, then some of them, I mean, obvious, you know, the the one where the the quarterback jumped in the air and got tackled. I mean, how's that a fifteen yard penalty? You know, I mean, like guys, come on, give me a break, you know. But it, but then to say that, I mean, the the, the safety. Do you that think that was a safety, safety on? Yeah. Yeah, do you think that no, was a safety on Bryce? Well, I don't. I I I thought they got that right, and I honestly, I, it looked like they were yeah. going to make a terrible call on that, and a then, day. which would have been you're right. It took them a day. It it would have been a terrible call against uh, you know against the Longhorns, um, and I wonder if that had been on the other if it was going the other way. You know, had would they have gone back and the guy pretended like he didn't hear it right and all that? You know, but once you know once <laughs> the dust settled, you know, like. And I have never seen that, by the way, in, in college football, NFL football, where you, you go into, hey, here's what the penalty is going to be. And then all of a sudden they just come up with something totally different, you know, but they were right. They were right. I, I, I thought that when you looked at the replay that Bryce made another one of those amazing Bryce Young plays, uh, it was just absolutely uh, crazy to think that he got the football away and hit a guy in the helmet. And, you know, so, so I thought they got that right, but you know, that, it was. It, there were so many different things working against Alabama. Um, I just, and I like it when you go on the road and play a game like that when you're using, you know, different conference officials. You know, I mean, look, who's paying their checks does matter. Believe it or not. Is uh, Monroe is uh, waiting in the wings? Is it a good thing to take on a team of lesser value, if you will, there, or would you rather just jump right in and play somebody in the SEC? Oh man, I think it's a great week to play. Louisiana Monroe. I mean, and we can never underestimate Louisiana Monroe. I was there when they beat us one time. Now that was a different Alabama program, but no, this is a good. It, honestly, it's it's a good, it's a good couple of weeks to start figuring some things out between that game and Vanderbilt. Uh, then then you got to go on the road to Arkansas, and let me tell you something. That Arkansas game is going to be really tough. Arkansas is better than Texas, so just just remember that. You know, they've got two weeks to kind of get things figured out because it's going to be loud. Arkansas is always a tough place to go play. And that team's, that team's geared up to beat one of an Alabama or a Georgia or somebody. You know, they're, 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 they're really dangerous. And so I don't want to look ahead two weeks. You know, I mean, that's rat poison. But what I'm saying is, just to get to your question, it's the perfect opponent for where Alabama kind of needs to be going forward, I think. Jimbo Fisher goes down to Appalachian State and uh, got to get your thoughts on that and kind of just the A&M fans are very frustrated with uh, Jimbo Fisher right now. <laughs> That's my thought, Jay. 
Oh, Jimbo. Just keep on talking down there, Jimbo. Jimbo to Nebraska. Oh, gosh. I mean, that was, <laughs> that was probably – Oh, that, that was no. my favorite upset Pass. of the day right there. I, I loved it. I loved every minute of that. I, I'll tell you, I watched the uh, the Marshall-Notre Dame game. Oh, yeah. And, I, and everybody at Notre Dame keeps talking about Brian Kelly. You know, Lou Holtz talked about how he didn't return his, his you know, his letters. And, you know, he didn't get along with this person or that person and all that. And then they went out and they hired the defensive coordinator. And now look at where they're at right now. Brian mm-hmm. Kelly didn't lose three games like that his entire time there. He lost some games, but they were always the good teams that had more talent. Notre Dame's in big, big trouble. Uh, and I, what, what a great win for, you know, Charles former Huff. Alabama assistant. Yeah, and yeah. I mean, one of the biggest in, in, uh, in program history there for Marshall. So that was cool. It was a great weekend of college yeah. football. And Alabama won. Don't forget that guy. Make that about 20, 30 seconds. Tell everybody how they can find you. Yeah, check me out online. Uh, tonight, we'll do Monday Night Quarterback on the Bama Insider YouTube channel at Broadcaster. Mick, Jay, and I have our show on the Bama Insider YouTube channel every Tuesday and Thursday at 2.10. And then uh, the tailgate show will be at uh, will be on the strip this week, 6 to 8. You can watch it live on Bama Insider on the YouTube channel. It's going to be a lot of fun. Roll Tide, everybody. Roll Tide, Mick Gillespie, brought to us by Pearl River Resorts. Check it out. Pearl River Resorts brings us Mick Gillespie each and every Monday. All right, so we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Jess Spiegel joins us at 115. Stay with us. Hour number two next. Hi, this is Wes McClooney, owner of the New Balance Birmingham store. Achieving your personal best often comes down to how you feel. And when it comes to the right shoes, nothing feels better than New Balance. The fit specialists at the New Balance Birmingham store conduct an in-depth analysis of your foot size, shape, and gait, determining the best New Balance shoes for you. Experience the difference of custom fit today at the New Balance Birmingham store on Highway 280 next to Chick-fil-A. New Balance Birmingham. Your feet will thank you. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option. High-intensity focused ultrasound or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHEALTH.COM. I'm excited to tell you about our newest sponsor here on the Jay Barker Radio Network. They pioneered the Chicken Finger Box and the Chicken Finger Restaurant. That's Guthrie's. Guthrie's recipes and processes are often imitated but never duplicated. Look, their sauce is probably the most copied sauce of all sauces all time. And I've known this family since my days down in Tuscaloosa. And they came over and, man, I tell you, it's nostalgic even today to see my kids going to that same Guthrie's. And great family. Do so much for the community. But more importantly, provide the best when it comes to chicken fingers. Get out to Guthrie's today. I want to tell you about my good friends at Southern Assurance Group. Hi, it's Jay Barker, and look, Ken Needham has done a terrific job. Local company, 205-980-1505 is their number. That's 980-1505. Again, local, you can speak with the same team every time you give them a call. Full line of products from Auto Home, Boat Life. You'll trust them. They have a great uh, deal as far as the relationships they build with their customers and 20 years with the same company and industry. Custom approach for your insurance needs. Give them a call, 980-1505. That is Southern Assurance Group. Hi. 
it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Whether it's for lunch or dinner, head out to the Cajun Steamers, a New Orleans-style joint that serves authentic Cajun and Creole food, cold beer, and great drinks. They are known for their wide array of Cajun classics and original creations prepared in an authentic fashion. This Louisiana kitchen can have you slapping the table for more. Stop by the Cajun Steamer and sign up for your Alabama, LSU, or Auburn fan card. Eat with the Cajun Steamer while your team is on TV and use your fan card to receive a 15% discount on your entire meal. With locations in Hoover, Trustful, Huntsville, and Franklin, Tennessee, they've got you covered. Head out today to the Cajun Steamer. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's GoFan.letterC.letterO. Birmingham's best Mexican restaurant for over 20 years and counting. That's La Paz Restaurant in Crestline Village and Mount Laurel. They've got a great staff. Its delicious menu, award-winning cheese dip, and margaritas and vibrant atmosphere have helped to make La Paz a local favorite. Blue corn nachos, Texas barbecue quesadillas, steak and blue quesadillas, Baja fish tacos, signature fajitas, and much, much more. So head over to La Paz today if you want a great lunch or a great dinner, and you'll find all that at La Paz, Crestline, and Mount Laurel for lunch or dinner. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa, Tide 100.9, and screaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Who you are is more important than what you do. The only way that you're gonna have any kind of success in your life, you have to buy into a process of what it takes to reach a goal. How can I be the best I can be at what I do? How much of your time was spent and how much was it invested in your goal? Can't do it unless you can overcome adversity because that's what makes great things great is the things that you had to overcome to accomplish them. We have about five choices in our life, and everybody has a choice as to what they want to do and how they want to do that. But if you're going to be excellent or elite, you got to do special things. You have to have special intensity. You have to have special focus. It doesn't matter what God-given ability that you have, but without the rest of it, I'm not sure you ever get excellent or elite. You have to have toughness. What does it take to break you? I don't care what circumstance you're faced with. What does it take to break your focus, to make you give in, you're tired, or you don't feel like giving effort or finishing the play like you should? I'm not saying it's our goal to try to break you. It's just the way it is in football. It's going to be difficult if you're getting yourself ready to play at a high level. And just because you got beat on the last play, that can't affect the next play. That's breaking you. Your frustration is breaking you. What does it take to break you? We should help others. We should serve other people all the time. You cannot be a leader and affect other people if you're not willing to serve other people. Think of our lives as every day we should appreciate the opportunity that we have to accomplish and affect something. Earn this. Everybody made all these sacrifices for you to live. Go live a good life. Be a good father. Help other people. Accomplish something of significance. Make a difference. That would be my message to everybody here. Make a difference and help everybody's spirit in a positive way. God bless you and roll tight.
Jay Barker led the Crimson Tide to a national championship in 1992, winner of the Johnny Unitas Golden Arm Award and a finalist for the Heisman Trophy, voted the SEC Player of the Year and was drafted by the Green Bay Packers, also seeing time with the New England Patriots and the Carolina Panthers. He is the winningest quarterback in Alabama history, 35-2-1, member of the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. Jay Barker brings that same championship quality and football expertise to his own radio network and show. Joining him is Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author, 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated, and professor at the University of Alabama. Live from the AVX Studios in Birmingham, Alabama, The Jay Barker Show. As the snap, back the throw, with some time, under pressure, down he goes! Ball loose in the end zone, it's going to be a safety! Here comes the call. Personal foul, roughing the passer, with targeting, number zero, defense, 15-yard penalty from the previous spot, automatic, first down, previous play. I don't know how his targeting DeMarvion Overshown was a foot above Bryce Young. He was already down as well. They've got to look at this one. Welcome back in. Hour number two. We got uh, Jeff Spiegel going to be joining us here in about 1.15. So look forward to visiting with him, getting his take on Alabama's big win 2019. And I say big win. It was it was ugly, but a win's a win. Take the W and move on and learn from it. And guys, you know, um, we'll talk more about this here in a second. Kind of Nick Saban's perspective on a game like this. We're presented by Top Golf of Birmingham. You got the Top Golf today. You'll absolutely love it. We call it the bowling of this generation. We do a ton of events out there, whether it be parties or uh, corporate events and a lot of charitable events as well to raise money for charities all throughout the area. That's Top Golf of Birmingham. Also driven by Sunny King Ford on the sunny side of the street. Go see Tony Russell and all the great folks there at Sunny King Ford. All right, guys, Lars, and I'll start with you on this. Um, even as much as it was ugly and as much as Coach Saban is not uh, you know, happy about the way some of the guys played and some of the things they got to correct, I, I got to think he loves that his team went through this. Just knowing his mentality and wanting to make sure these guys kind of get a little bit of a check, uh, check on themselves and the competition continues and guys can't get comfortable, they can't kind of, you know, feet on the rat poisoning. Instead, uh, right now, they, they're going back to work, and uh, they got the next two weeks to get some things figured out before they travel to Arkansas. Yeah, I mean, uh, this team now is is battle-tested on the road. And, look, they're going to have to go to Arkansas, to Tennessee, to LSU. They're going to be Ooh. playing in a lot of uh, rough environments. And, um, you know, I, it, it's hard to sort of, when you analyze this game, it's hard to know how much you should really put value or how much you should uh, weigh certain uh, deficiencies that showed up for Alabama. I mean, number one was run blocking. Uh, aside from that 81-yard touchdown run by Jace McClellan, Alabama was not able to pick up consistent yards between the tackles. Uh, half of Alabama's 24 rushing attempts were for three yards or fewer and Matt, this is going against a defensive line that I thought Alabama would absolutely shred, and uh, it just didn't happen. And I don't know if that is a red flag right now because they are going to be going against uh, better defensive lines. There's no question about it in the SEC. But 
perhaps uh, the offensive line is just not as, as frankly, as, as good as we thought. Again, I don't know how much value to put in just, just one performance, if it's a, an aberration or if it's the beginning of a troubling pattern. I think you're going to see him coached up, and La Monroe is going to be a speed bump, and then the real test will be at Arkansas. But I do think the offensive line is, is a red flag. And a lot of these five-star recruits that we've been hearing about for years just quite simply are not playing up. And, and that's showing right now. Even Tyler Steen, who's at left tackle, who has experience, I mean, they were all breaking down. Now, the crowd certainly had something to do with that. But as far as what this does for Nick Saban, this is the perfect rat poison on the plate. I mean, he can say, y'all read it up. Y'all got, you know, here's the reasons you did all of this. But the one thing that Nick now has that he didn't have last week is he has places to coach. Yeah. I mean, as a 55 to nothing spanking, do you really learn anything? Well, now you've got to work on your offensive line. You even have to work with Will Anderson, which, by the way, the most uncharacteristic thing I saw in the entire game was the late hit where the whistle had clearly blown, and he got so frustrated he committed a horrible infraction. So, Jay, the rat poison is there. Nick can point that out, and now he can coach. That's right, and and I'm telling you, I think he likes these moments for his team, especially uh, early on. Would, it be, would you love to win by two touchdowns? Yes, but there's a lot to grow from this. And and, and again, I mean, we have to give Sark and his, his coaching staff a lot of credit. I mean, especially that first drive they had all the way down. I mean, uh, it was like, wow. I mean, he, he has dialed up everything that they need to dial up offensively. And schematically, as far as what they could do to help their young quarterback get the ball out quick and uh, and, and just really just so effective. Um, and, you know, from there on, it's kind of like, you know, you, you get off the script a little bit. You start trying to, trying to make certain calls. Your quarterback goes down. Your other one's getting hurt. So they had a lot of obstacles to overcome, but yet still were leading in that game. And uh, Alabama had to come back to win it there late with Bryce's run and the kick uh, by Reichard. So. Uh, give them kudos. I mean, you know, a lot of credit. I mean, everybody wants to look at us and say, okay, well, Alabama didn't play at this level, and, and they, they didn't because Saban talked about this, not how you play Alabama football. I mean, they had a ton of first downs. A lot of those first downs, most of them were penalties that they got the first downs on. So that's, that, that's the takeaways you get from this game. But uh, Lars, give Sark credit. He, he had his players ready. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he did. And, and, and uh, I, I think this is uh, – you know, you hate to use moral victory for Texas, but this is a moral victory for Texas because it it's shows that they can go toe they can go toe to toe with Alabama, and and Sark has done this in a very short amount of time. I mean, you go from losing to Kansas to uh, nearly upsetting uh, Alabama, the top program in the country. Um, but uh, Jay, you and I, we were texting during the game, and I, I was surprised. One, uh, one, an- another thing I was surprised about was um, how much Alabama players were slipping. Like they just could not seem to get their footing on the field, and and, and I, I, and you didn't see Texas players slipping. Maybe, maybe that was just me. I, I, I don't know. But uh, do you have any more after seeing two games now, Jay? Do you have any more thoughts? or insight on who can be that number one receiver for Alabama? Uh, who can be the guy that you go to on, on, on a third and five? Yeah, and I tell you, the guy that really stepped up was Ja'Cory Brooks uh, there late in the game. I mean, you know, I, I think he may have yeah. earned himself some more playing time um, and early playing time. And he was a key part of Alabama last year in the, in the, in the playoffs and even in the championship game and against Auburn, catching that ball uh, late to, to, to uh, take it into uh, four overtime. So this, you know, one of those things where – 
I think for Alabama, you just you, they've got the players, they've got the talent, uh, tough environment. You learn from it. You you got guys now. They're going to compete. They're going to come out to practice. You got uh, Will Anderson, uh, who had you know the struggles as far as it was really more or less line. He, he lined up early on that they didn't call, and then finally I think Texas was like yeah, the guys lining up off sides, and they began to call it on him. Uh, and, and Matt, you brought up a great point about so uncharacteristic of him normally keeping his composure. He was frustrated. They were double teaming him on just about every passing down. They had the, the double team on him. They had it back on him. They were trying to frustrate him as much as possible, and then. You know, early on, they were running at him instead of away from him, and then they went away from him, and he started making tackles and uh, really was able to make an impact on, on that game, uh, especially there late in the game. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a lot to work on, a lot to get better at. But, um, you know, again, I think Coach Saban just loves the fact that they had the struggle, and uh, out of that struggle, they'll become a better football team. We've seen that many times where Alabama's done that, and uh, they come back better, get, get even better coach stuff. And, and not that the coaches aren't doing their job, but guys begin to listen better. And listen to the to, to the details, and I think Matt hit, the, hit on this either Mick earlier was that the receivers there were many times where they were just you know jogging through it, they weren't really running their routes. The guys tr- trying to clear out guys when Bryce was scrambling, they were slowing down, they weren't continuing up the field, or they were stopping. And uh, that's not what you had over the last couple of years, the receivers in Alabama. So a lot of work there. As far as go to guy, I think Jermaine Burton still is the guy, and um, you know again. Just finding that game time uh, like chemistry is what you got to find. And uh, you're only going to get that through playing the games, going through the struggles, and uh, they'll get better because of this game this past weekend. All right, let's take a quick break. we got Jeff Spiegel going to join us on the other side. Look forward to hearing his take on Alabama, Texas, as well as some of the other SEC matchups as well. Stay with us. We're live from AVX. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. A national championship team covering a national... Most game day destination for entertainment, food, and spirits. Get all the details and make reservations at the 1225.com or call us at 205-872-1225. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A fresh north breeze this afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 83... The weather tonight will feel like fall, clear with a low at 57. Then a beautiful day tomorrow, sunny and less humid, the high at 85 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. And uh, let's get right to Jeff Spiegel joining us from ABC 3340 and was down on the plane uh, in Auburn uh, for the matchup against San Jose State. Auburn able to pull out the victory 24 to 16. And uh, Jeff, first of all, welcome in. We appreciate you coming on. But man, it was an upset weekend as we saw what Marshall did, Appalachian <laughs> State and Alabama struggles at Tennessee. I mean, at Texas as well. But uh, your, your thoughts uh, on this Auburn win and uh, how tough it was what down a field goal going into halftime. Well, uh, you know, let, let's just say this. I mean, you know, sometimes we we think that these players just have, you know, tunnel vision and, you know, they're just focused on their game and, and, and all that. Well, guess what part of the conversation was at halftime? 
when Auburn went to the locker room after they were down 10-7 to San Jose State. Owen Papo said uh, some of the guys were going, hey, look, man, it's been kind of a rough day for the SEC. You know, well, we don't want to fall into that category. So these guys pay attention to other school boards. They know what's happening. They know the chaos that was going on in college football. And, and they knew that, man, if they didn't shape up, they were going to, going to be in line to be the next victim. So, you know, they came out there in the second half, put a couple of drives together. Uh, the first drive of the second half was huge, a fourth and three that was almost disastrous. T.J. Finley fumbling the football, but then he, you know, he turns it into a backyard football play where he, you know, yells Tank Bixby's name, you know, and then throws it to him, and they convert the first down, and then they get the touchdown. And then, you know, they go on and punch it in again in the fourth quarter. And, you know, you look at the end of it and you go, yeah, they won 24-16. to 16. They were a 21-point favorite. But this was like the theme of the day. I mean, where favorites struggled and favorites fell on their face. And you just kind of realize that, you know what? Winning a college football game ain't as easy as just, you know, rolling the balls out there and then playing pitch and catch, you know, because in most cases, the other team's got pretty good players, too. Jeff, uh, T.J. Finley, Auburn's starting quarterback, finished, uh, or sorry, started the game one of five with an interception, but after the pick, he played pretty good, uh, 12 of 15, 158 yards. Is T.J. Finley now, you think, pretty firmly cemented as, as the starter when it comes to both him and, and Robbie Ashford and just what your assessment is of uh, the quarterback play so far for Auburn? Yeah, I think T.J. Finley's the guy. Um, he's the guy that uh, you know they have the most faith in when it comes to throwing the football. Uh, Robbie came in there in the first quarter, and, and he threw a pick. And if you want to compare picks, uh, Robbie's pick looked a lot worse than T.J.'s did. I mean, Robbie threw it right to the guy. And TJ, TJ's pick, you know, the defensive play made a great play on the ball, you know, and picked it off. And, you know, it was in, it was in Auburn territory. And, you know, and we haven't talked really enough about the defense and, and how well they played and how they kept San Jose State out of the end zone. But getting back to the quarterbacks, TJ's the guy that I think they have the most faith in. Uh, again, he was a little shaky in the first quarter, just like Robbie was. But I tell you what, Robbie gives them, he gives them that burst. You know, when, when they need a big – he he broke off a couple of big runs, you know, on Saturday. And um, when he's in and he breaks off those runs, I mean, the crowd just lights up. I mean, they love that guy. But in terms of throwing the football and getting the ball downfield, uh, the guys have a lot more faith in TJ than they do Robbie at this point. All right, is this team ready for Penn State? Well, I think it is, and 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 I'll tell you this: Auburn's Auburn's home field, and I've seen I've seen a lot of games at Auburn. Matt, you've seen a lot of games at Auburn. Um, you know, Jay's played some games at Auburn. Um, it's a that's a tough place to play. I mean, I, I don't I don't know if it gets the respect that it deserves when it comes to the home field advantage that it creates. And I know San Jose State is not Penn State, but when San Jose State had the ball in the first half, and they were first and goal with the two. And then they had, I think they had three fault start penalties in a row. You know, and the the crowd is just, they get into it. It, it, it can create some communication issues down there, and, you know, it can, it can unsettle a team. 
And, um, you know, Penn State's number 22 in the country. You know, we're, you know, we're, we're not talking about like, you know, they're not world beaters, you know. So they're going to come in there and, and this is a case where the, where the home crowd can rise up. And I really think it's worth, you know, I don't know what point total you would put on, on a home crowd and how valuable it is to a team. But, um, but that's big. That's why when you looked at Auburn's schedule before the year started and you saw five games, the first five games at home, I mean, no matter what teams are on the schedule, I mean, you could see you could see five and zero oh. because don't remember, don't don't forget last year, an Alabama team came in there and just barely got out of there, you know, with a victory. So the home crowd is is huge when it comes to uh, Auburn and Jordan Hare Stadium. Jeff, uh, how important is the Penn State game to Brian Harson and uh, his future at Auburn? Well, I think it's big. I think if he wins it, I think uh, I think it certainly you know will make things easier. Now, now look, and if you if you beat Penn State and then he follows that up with a loss to Missouri, you know he's right back where he was before. And uh, and then if you lose this to LSU, you know after beating Penn State two weeks earlier, you know it's it the people are going to be on him again. So he he's fighting an uphill battle here. But I really think I thought when I looked at this schedule to begin the year that you know they could start five and zero, but they could finish six and six because the back half of the schedule is is pretty darn difficult. But to answer the question, I mean, a win over Penn State, you know, would be would be big. I mean, would it, would it secure you know his future at Auburn? Absolutely not, because they got to follow that up with. With uh, with more big wins, and that second half of the schedule is just a beast. Jeff Spiegel from thirty three forty is our guest here on the Jay Barker Show. Let's go across the straight state. I I know you were at Auburn. You were certainly keeping up with what was going on in Tuscaloosa. Do you, do you just have a thumbnail sketch and some thoughts about what happened out in Austin, Texas? Well, you know, I think it's tough to win on the road. You know, and I and I'm not ready to uh, you know to to jump on Alabama and say, hey, they're not as good as we thought they were, and and go ahead and hand the national championship over to Georgia. Because, you know, Georgia, uh, yeah, they just they totally dismantled, you know, Oregon. That was a home game. That was a home game for them. And then they beat Sanford, you know, 33 to nothing. So they're 2-0. and And I'm not saying they don't deserve to be the number one team in the country. I mean, I think they do. But, you know, Alabama had to go to Texas. Hot, humid day. You know, Sark's got him fired up. That defense was playing just fantastic football. Everybody wants to jump on Bill O'Brien for bad play calling. But, you know, sometimes the guys on the other side of the, of the line have a lot to do with how bad those plays look. And I think the penalties are something that if you're an Alabama fan, that just drives you crazy. And look, it was 15 for 100. But I, but anybody who watched that game, it, it could have been like 18. It could have been 18. It could have been 19 penalties. Because Kool-Aid McKinstry, was def, that was definitely a P.I. on Texas' first drive. You know, he was holding the receiver there. So there could have been more penalties. But the really mind-boggling thing is a, is a guy like Will Anderson Jr. who gets called twice for lining up offsides in the same series. That's just that, that just blew my mind when I saw that going on. So... Second game of the year, 
tough environment, undisciplined play. But, you know, at the end, my takeaway from it at the end after the game was over was like, yeah, they played badly, but they won. Sometimes you play badly and you get away with a win and you live to tell about it. You go on to the next week and then you're a better football team for it. And I think that's going to be the case here. If you're Nick Saban uh, after the game on Saturday, uh, what are you most concerned about? Uh, well, I think you're, I think you're most concerned about those penalties. I mean, I think, like you said, this press conference today, didn't have a problem with how hard the guys played. thought the guys played hard, but, but you know, you, you got to play discipline too. I mean, you got to play smart. And in this case, you know, they played hard. They didn't play that smart, but, but they came up with a victory. So again, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a lesson you take from that and, and then you try to, and then you try to clean up that stuff because, you know, it didn't catch up with them in Austin, but it could catch up with them down the road in Knoxville or in Fayetteville, you know, one of those venues. Jeff, great to have you on. Thanks for being with us, and uh, great insight there from the Auburn Tigers and with the Crimson Tide. Thanks, my man. Hey, thanks so much. Y'all have a good day. Thanks, Jeff. All right, you too. Jeff Spiegel too. joining us from. ABC 3340 and uh, great guy. All right, uh, we'll continue wrapping up as far as uh, the, the uh, second half of hour number two and uh, some of the other upsets and things happening around college football. It was a crazy weekend. Stay with us. We're live from ABX. Audio video excellence continues. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. One in seven men will face prostate cancer. Nearly 500 new cases are diagnosed every day in the U.S. Traditional treatments can cause erectile dysfunction and urinary incontinence. But now there's a new option, high-intensity focused ultrasound, or HIFU. Men who are really looking for an option that really preserves their urinary and sexual function are great candidates for HIFU treatment. Preserve your quality of life. Call 866-4-VITURO or visit VITUROHealth.com. Hi, it's Jay Barker for AVX, Audio Video Excellence. They are the premier provider for custom audiovisual design and installation in the Southeast. AVX seeks excellence in everything it does, including a superior employee experience. AVX offers employees an industry-leading salary, insurance benefits, and 401k options. AVX technicians also receive the highest level of certification and continue training, making it one of the most awarded and decorated companies in the industry. Career opportunities are available now for technicians in Birmingham and Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Join the AVX team by contacting them at avxinc.com. Gary Burley here for Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. As a 10-year National Football League veteran, you can imagine my surprise being diagnosed with cancer and starting chemotherapy treatment back in 2014. I suffered from a lot of pain and offered up prayer during those days as I made it into remission. But I developed neuropathy. Anyone that suffers from this condition knows the pain is excruciating, nerve numbness and tingling along the tissue that won't heal. I tried everything for relief, folks, until my wife suggested I call Dr. Williford of Williford Chiropractic and wellness. I called at 205-909-7373 and scheduled an appointment. After three treatments, I began experiencing relief that I haven't had in years. If you're suffering from neuropathy, I suggest you reach out to Dr. Williford and his great staff at WillifordChiropracticAndWellness.com. Williford Chiropractic and Wellness. Give them a call at 205-909-7373. Balance your brain. Balance your life. 
Hi, it's Jay Barker. I want to tell you about my good friends Craig and Keith at Birmingham Broker. Go online at bhambroker.com. That's bhambroker.com or 205-716-1269. Got seven kids, man, and we had to sell a lot of cars. And these guys are looking for a lot of inventory. They helped us with all the hassle. No stress for us. They did the process as far as the sales and everything. Handled it all the way through. White glove type service. You'll love it. Again, it's bhambroker.com. Sell your car through bhambroker.com or 205 716 Hi, it's Jay Barker for Siebel's in downtown Homewood, and now's the time to get your special place ready. Come in and let Siebel's design your porch with Kingsley Bait Outdoor Furniture and one of their custom swinging beds. For the great room, you're going to need their Carson Swivel Recliner. Siebel's is the number one Carson Recliner dealer in the country, and Sarah and I, we've got one, and we absolutely love it. Be sure also to check out their famous custom-made beds and bunk beds built by Siebel's and made up with some of their best linens in town. Their staff can truly put your bed together like no other store. You can also follow Siebel's and shop on Instagram and Facebook. And be sure to call or go by their special store in downtown Homewood. The number is 800-448-1962. That's 800-448-1962. And just for listening, go to Siebel'sCottage.com and order anything you want and type in Jay Barker for a special discount code. That's Jay Barker for a special discount code available only to our listeners for a limited time on The Jay Barker Show. Siebel's in downtown Homewood or online at Siebel'sCottage.com. It's Antonio Langham here to tell you about the easiest way to buy your tickets to your next high school game. Have you ever had to wait in line to buy a high school ticket or stop to get cash on the way to the game? There has to be a better way. There is. It's called GoFan. Check out GoFan.co the next time you need a ticket for your high school game. GoFan is easy, fast, and completely secure. You can buy tickets directly from your phone and just show the ticket at the gate. Download the GoFan app or visit GoFan.co now. That's C letter O. the SEC and some of the big matchups this past weekend and uh, some of the almost upsets we saw Marshall did uh, with Notre Dame and Notre Dame lose their quarterback now out four months uh, got to have surgery and uh, he'll be out for the remainder of the season I think it's spine I think it is who takes over at that quarterback uh, position also uh, but Lars just kind of get your take who are the possible candidates right now for Scott Frost who's out now as the head coach in Nebraska they made the move after uh, a really dismal uh, start to the season once again uh, what are you hearing yeah, so uh, I tweeted this out last night. I have a lot of friends, obviously, still in uh, Nebraska. I grew up there. Uh, I have a lot of friends in the athletic department, and um, I was the first one to report that Scott Frost was getting hired as a head coach five years ago. First one to report that uh, Fred Hoiberg was getting hired as the basketball coach like three years ago. And now, uh, same sources I have are telling me that it's going to be Matt Campbell from uh, Iowa State, who has done a uh, a really terrific job uh, at at Iowa State for the last few years. He's turned down high profile jobs in the past. He turned down USC, but I think um, I, I really think it's uh, it's it's him. It is going to be Matt Campbell. Um, I think uh, Campbell realizes he's hit his ceiling at uh in in Ames Iowa with Iowa State 
And uh, Dennis Dodd, who's a really good reporter for uh, CBS, he uh, has uh, several sources saying that Campbell's actually interested in the Nebraska job. So, look, this is going to drag out for about three months. And uh, the, the interim coach at Nebraska is Mickey Joseph. He's a former quarterback. And interestingly, he's the first uh, African-American head coach at Nebraska in any sport. Which wow. Is, which is quite That's surprising. It, it is surprising. Uh, and a little disturbing, but um, yeah, Matt, I, I I think it's Matt Campbell. I mean, well, I, I put it out there. I, I've reported it that that Trev Alberts, his primary target is Matt Campbell, and now Dennis Dodd is reporting that Campbell has interest. So it looks like there's mutual interest there, uh, and um, I think uh, I think he's the guy. Lars, when they go back to the firing, how bad does it have to be? in Lincoln, Nebraska, for them to eat $7.5 million and get rid of this guy a mere 21 days early. Yeah, so if uh, they had waited till August 1, the buyout would have... October. Excuse me, yeah, uh, October 1, the buyout would have been $7.5 million less. But after the debacle against uh, Southern... Who was it? Southern Illinois? No, Southern Georgia, excuse me. Georgia Southern. Southern. By the way, Um, y'all know who coaches there? Yeah, Georgia Southern. Uh, Clay Helton is the yeah, head coach. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and and the thing is about that game, Nebraska got outplayed. Georgia yes. Southern was a better team. Wow. <laughs> and, and Trev is just like, enough is enough. I mean, it, 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 I, I, he, he and, and a lot of Nebraska fans are upset that Trev, essentially Trev Alberts, the athletic director, essentially gave Scott a $7.5 million going away gift. Because again, if you just well, the total is fifteen million, uh, right? The yeah. total is fifteen million, but it would have draw It would have been cut in half right. if they had waited till October one. But they just simply can't stomach him anymore. I mean, that's how bad it is. That's how bad it is. <laughs> like you can't, we can't even tolerate this dude for another for three, three weeks. weeks. Uh, he needs to go, and um, and he's gone. You know, and good, good, good riddance as far as I can. Uh, say <laughs> he's, the, he's the worst coach in nebraska football history well yeah. the record certainly Ur- urban meyer that. was mentioned a lot over the weekend especially from nebraska fans a lot on the uh, social media and i was like they don't want to do that no no i, I you don't want urban meyer I, I know that that no that's been a name that's been put out there uh, Bill O'Brien's name has been floated around because he does have familiarity with the big 10 but um, again, my most trusted sources are telling me it's Matt Campbell, a hundred percent Matt Campbell. They're going after him, and, and that's probably the best uh, choice out there. I mean, him. he's an excellent football coach. Yeah, 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 and, and they're going to offer him a king's ransom. And I don't mean to get argumentative, but wasn't they they're saying Scott Frost, excellent, excellent coach? Coming well, in. I mean, he won a is, national championship as a, as a player. No, I mean, wasn't he the coach oh, at UCF? Yeah, right, when they were right. The yeah, but but you know what? It, like his his record, he had won that one undefeated season at UCF. But other than that, he'd only been a coach for like two seasons. You know, he'd been a co- uh, offensive coordinator at Oregon, and that's the problem. When you hire somebody who is not tested, who doesn't have a long track record, you don't really know what you're getting, and that clearly was the case with. Frost uh, at at Nebraska. He brought all of his staff from South Florida or, or Central Florida up to Lincoln, 
And uh, it was just like buddy-buddy network, you know, uh, be out on the town, not getting to work early. I mean, look, there, there's so many stories uh, that, you know, get exaggerated with social media and everything. But Nebraska needs some a coach that has a proven track record. And Matt Campbell has proven that he can turn around a program. And I know there's other... There's some people out there on, on social media saying that Iowa State is actually a better job than Nebraska. Give me a break. Oh, no. Yeah, give me a break. Um, Nebraska's facilities are, are far superior, you know, tradition, uh, all that fan uh, interest. So, yeah, Jay, I, I really think it's Matt Campbell. Yeah, and I, and I would say that Iowa State, just based on the perception of the program, I mean, they've been winning, and he's done a great job there, I think. Maybe fans see that as that, you know, why would you leave a place that you've built uh, built it up so well? And, you know, you really hate this for Iowa State, too, because if it does get to the point where, you know, he's hired, I mean, what do you do? I mean, do you stay on at, at Iowa State? How do you do that? I mean, this is early, early in the season for these type of rumors and things to be circulating. Nebraska fans are happy, but there are a lot of teams out there worried about the coach they might lose, especially a guy like him that's been there and really just put that program on the map over the last few years. And with Alabama, what about Bill O'Brien? Yeah, I, I don't think uh, I, I don't think a move formally will be made until after the regular season. So Mickey Joseph, hey, if he wins the rest of his games uh, this year, which isn't going to happen, um, he should get the <laughs> Oklahoma's Oklahoma's going to lay, I think, a hundred on Alabama or on Nebraska, excuse me, um, because uh, Georgia Southern. I think 770 total yards, the most yards Nebraska's ever given up in school history or something. Seven? Seven, oh, over 700 yards. And that was at Nebraska. At Nebraska, Georgia Southern. Wow. <laughs> I guess that's a $7.5 million that uh, you're, you're going to go ahead and eat. Yeah. Um, it's not good. And, and the thing is, the kids just aren't playing hard. And, th and that's when you know. I mean, look, Jay is a former player. And you and Trev Alberts, right? You're both former players. You can tell if there's effort down there on the field. And clearly, the, the effort is not there for Nebraska. No business losing to Georgia State. You can just feel it in the locker room on the field, uh, in the uh, meeting rooms and stuff. And I'm sure he's he's probably uh, talked to a number of players and also uh, coaches and people around that that the building. And he's there himself. So. You just feel it. You feel like you know this guy's lost the team, and he he lost it. He, he lost it before this year. He lost it last year, and even maybe before that. You know, I think what was so promising about Scott Frost was that when he left UCF, is that okay? You know, they had a great season. Uh, he's been down there. He's recruited that area. He knows the Southeast, but more importantly, that hotbed of talent right there in Florida. That man, this is going to be an, you know, a, a great win for Nebraska. They get their former national quarterback, national championship quarterback back. They get a guy that can recruit. Uh, that area, but now he's got ties to South Florida. And uh, think about all the players he'll be able to get because he's a household name down there because of his time at UCF, and it didn't happen. Yeah, and he was hired the same year that Dan Mullen was hired at Florida, and uh, they both should have probably been fired the same year as well. Um, yeah, Trev Albers, he did the wrong thing in keeping Scott Frost. He was just doing another former player a, a solid, basically. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, they need somebody from outside the program. I mean, didn't you think that when after Mike Shula, uh, the Mike Shula era, era here, Jay, didn't you did you feel like Alabama needed somebody from outside of the Alabama family, so to speak, to come in? So that's why you go to Washington State. 
Well, <laughs> <laughs> it's rolling, baby. No, I'm just curious. Yeah, no, I, I, like, I, no, the idea, like, do you need somebody to come with fresh eyes to see what you guys are doing here? Rather, because what you've done in the past certainly is not working now in the future here. Yeah, well, and, and it go back to that my price higher. I mean, I really think that if, if he would have had his chance um, at Alabama, he lost it in that spring after being hired. And Mike Sheila came in under very tough circumstances. And, you know, at that time, going through all the, um, you know, probation, lack of scholarships, lack of players, guys not wanting to come play there, you know, especially guys that are, you know, there was a lot of in-state guys that still wanted to play, but a lot of the out-of-state guys were like, mm, I don't want to go if I can't compete uh, for a championship or at least, you know, the numbers that are so far down. So, you know, I think Price would have had actually a pretty good career at Alabama. He was an excellent football coach, and I know Mal Moore, you know, liked him a ton. The problem with Price is that he didn't understand in in Tuscaloosa you can't do the same things you can do at Washington State uh, as far as going out and partying with the uh, the, uh, actual students and buying drinks and all that kind of stuff. So uh, that's the the, the area. Then you got a guy that was just a great guy, Mike Shula, came in. He had, you know, no experience as a head coach. He'd been a coordinator. Um, And I thought – and I'll I'll continue to say this. I mean, I – I thought Mike did an excellent job in the circumstances he was dealt with and uh, really carried Alabama through those years. And and I know a lot of people disagree with that or, or think that, you know, he didn't have, but man, he was so handcuffed uh, with so much. And for him to, to take that opportunity and, and really embrace it with coach Moore and saying, look, you know, we need that. At that time, Alabama was behind the eight ball in a big way after losing Mike price that late in the year. And for him to be willing to come in and in a sense kind of sacrificed himself for those years, knowing that it was going to be tough times, Matt. You, you remember that. I do, and, and you make a great point, and I agree 100%, and many probably don't, but what a what a lose situation he was put into. Mm-hmm. I mean, just hey, just from a timing standpoint, how about that? <laughs> he's, he's still beloved, though, by Alabama fans. Was he Definitely. beloved at the time that he was fired? Uh, yeah, uh, they'll always remember him, what, uh, for the Georgia and Auburn wins, right? Mm-hmm. Right, Jay? Yeah, definitely. Uh, in Florida, that when big, he the put big on win. Auburn. Uh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. All all of that. And uh, I think there maybe I'm uh, underestimating Alabama fans. I think maybe a lot of more Alabama fans are, are, are in Mike Shula fans as well. I'll probably misread that a little bit. Yeah, I hope so. He, he deserves it. And, you know, and that was a very tough decision, Lars, for Mal. I mean, Mal really struggled with um, with firing Mike and, and all the, you know, but there's so much pressure uh, was put on him from the outside media, fans, everything. And I, I, I don't think that he would have done what he did unless he felt like he could go get the guy he needed to get. And, and look, that he's a lifer in Alabama. I mean, he had been there for years with Coach Bryant and then there with Coach, Sa- I mean, with Coach uh, Stallings. And I think he realized that uh, Alabama needed an outsider and a guy that could come in and not have to listen and hear from the boosters and people that are trying to, to run the program. Instead, just do his own thing and said, here, here are the keys. And it worked. Yeah, and uh, I think you know Nebraska would be wise to uh, to kind of just get get an outside guy. I mean, uh, Campbell does know the region. He's built programs with fewer ro- uh, resources, and he's just a good coach. He's well respected, um, and uh, he's always yeah, one of I mean, my favorites. I know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he he does more with less than almost any coach in the country. And unfortunately, you're, that's what you're going to have to do at, at Nebraska. But again, I, I, none of this is going to be resolved until December 
be my guess. And um, because you wouldn't want it to, anybody, nobody's going to leave their, their kids in the middle of a season uh, to uh, come to Nebraska. But um, yeah, it, it's not surprising that, that Scott was fired. What is surprising is that it took this long. Um, but and if he wasn't a former player who had won a national championship, he would not have gotten this extra year. Um, so, yeah. Final, I mean, final Matt, Matt, question. Do you, do you like, yeah. Final question. How much will this team be gutted? Trans, transfer portal, all that. And then, you know, even whoever comes in will, you know, try to get guys to leave if they don't feel like they're up to the caliber of player they need in Nebraska. I mean, this is going to be, this, I mean, I'm sure for whoever comes in, wants a clean slate uh, from the coaching staff to, as uh, many of the players that aren't buying in or just have not played at the level they need to to be a part of that Nebraska program. Yeah, I mean, uh, there could be as much uh, overhauling of uh, the roster as we've ever seen in college football history, frankly, because because uh, you can do that now because you have so much more flexibility with roster management with Transfer Portal. And I, I remember Nick Saban's first year. I mean, he... Uh, he basically he had to shake the tree really hard to get the bad apples to fall and yeah. leave the program, yeah. right? And there was mm-hmm. a lot of bad apples on that team. I mean, it was all about changing the culture, Jay. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, we'll come back. Uh, we got more to get into. I want to get you guys' thoughts more on, on the Jimbo Fisher situation right now, losing to uh, Appalachian State. And uh, what a great job by them. I mean, they ran the clock. Golly, what a great game plan. They did uh, at uh, at A and M, uh, and and also uh, Le'Veon Bell and Adrian Peterson this past weekend, fighting it out. We'll tell you more about it coming up on the other side. Stay with us. We're live from AVX. You're listening to the Jay Barker Show live from the A Diamonds. If you want to give her the big stuff, you've got to see these diamonds. VentureAndOsmond.com. A little tricky to find on McFarland Boulevard between Edgar's and local routes. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A fresh north breeze this afternoon. The sky partly to mostly sunny, the high 83. The weather tonight will feel like fall, clear with a low at 57. Then a beautiful day tomorrow, sunny and less humid, the high at 85 degrees. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. As we wrap up hour number two, we're talking about some of the big upsets this weekend. Notre Dame goes down to Marshall, and uh, Charles Huff gets a big win. One of the former assistants for Nick Saban at Alabama. Uh, and, you know, even here his post game, you could hear a lot of Coach Saban in him talking about the process and getting his players ready, but a lot of belief in what they're doing. Uh, but, uh, man, it was a great win for him and for that program. Also, Appalachian State takes down Texas A&M, and I brought it up as winter break. Uh, I want to get your guys' thoughts on Jimbo Fisher. Before that, though, Le'Veon Bell in the fifth round takes down Adrian Peterson, and uh, and I thought that was uh, – I don't know if you guys had a chance to watch it. I saw some of the highlights of it. I didn't get a chance to watch it myself. But um, this is, uh, you know, kind of the new thing, uh, social media and uh, all the guys that – that are now going on. This, this thing's called our dubs, social gloves. No more talk. But uh, Peterson got dropped by Bell in the fifth uh, fifth round with a straight right that caught him flush on the chin. 
and uh, said he was wobbly so that the uh, referee stopped the fight at that point in time. But do you like these type of fights? Yeah, I mean they're they're kind of kind of interesting. I I would have uh, probably bet on Adrian Peterson Me winning too. that one. Uh, Jay, you and I have talked about this. We both have shaken the hand of Adrian Peterson, I believe. I and uh, it is, he's got the hardest handshake of anyone you'll ever meet. I mean, it, he out. he will basically break. Yeah, it feels like he's about ready to break your hand in half. And I just <laughs> think he was like bigger and more muscular than Le'Veon Bell. But uh doesn't matter. Lady Bell, Bell quick. He, he's younger. Yeah, he quick. He had that uppercut to the chin. Went, uh, it, and um, AP tried to act like he wasn't dazed, but you could see it in his eyes. Yeah. Uh, hey, real quick, guys. Um, I think this is important, and, I, and I've, I've missed it through two hours. Eli Gold was the guest on the pregame show at the University of Alabama, the Crimson Tide Sports Network. And he talked with Chris Stewart. And he, he explained things, the one most notable that, let's be honest, we were aware of, but out of respect for him, never went public. He said, my issues are orthopedic. And, and that, that settled a lot of people from going off the chain here with what they were thinking was wrong with Eli. Uh, he has orthopedic issues. He said he's not going to be back immediately, but he is going to be back. And I think that was uh, what a lot of Alabama fans wanted to hear, myself included. Nothing yeah, against and, and I, I did listen to part of the game on the radio. Chris Stewart did an excellent job. Chris is doing an excellent job. Uh, but, sure, we all definitely uh, want Eli to get back and be as healthy as possible. Hey, Jay, uh, your reaction. This is year five of Jimbo Fisher, okay? And uh, a uh, Sunbelt Conference member comes in to Kyle Field and uh, beats Jimbo and company 17-14. Do you just look at this as sort of a blip on the radar, or is this uh, something that that, uh, reveals larger issues going on at Texas A&M? Yeah, I mean, just the off the field stuff with, um, you know, with him and Coach Saban and uh, now, you know, a book being written about all that as as well as I'm sure we'll dive deep into that that history. Um, and just you can't lose to an Appalachia State like that. Not at home. Number six team in the country. And you're you know, you're, you're supposed to go out there and win that game or find a way to win it, at least uh, even if it's by one point like Alabama did against Texas. Um, so for him, you know, if his contract wasn't as good as it is and the buyouts that he's got. I would think there'd be a lot of heat, but people out there, they realize that uh, he ain't going anywhere. Not based on the money they had to pay him out. Matt, what was your reaction to uh, Appalachian State beating Texas A&M? Can I just repeat, Mick? <laughs> <laughs> thought it was funny, huh? Well, I think people, like maybe Alabama fans did with Texas, underestimated their foe. I think mm-hmm. they underestimated Georgia Southern and their coach, Clay Helton, pretty darn good. Last year, he was at USC. So I think he knows a little bit about at least coaching hey, they, up. And they got Miami and Arkansas coming up. I mean, uh, look, mm. Texas A&M could go on a skid here. Yeah. And there'll be a lot of people in the state going, boo-hoo. <laughs> hey, thanks for joining us here All on right, this guys, uh, Monday edition. And uh, back.